Hey, bookworms. Welcome to the Picky Bookworm Podcast. I am so glad you are here. I am the Picky Bookworm, and I love bringing recognition to indie and self-published books through book reviews, proofreading, and podcasting. Every Saturday, I get to talk to a member of the writing community, from book bloggers to authors and even other podcasters like myself. I'll include a link to my website where you can leave a comment with your thoughts on the show or questions for the author that I may not have gotten to. You can also find information on how to sponsor this podcast. Ready? Grab your tea, wine, or laundry, and let's get to it. To the Picky Bookworm Podcast. I am so excited to have my guest today. Her name is Annalise, and she is a fantasy author. She is a um, an astronaut trainee, I think, according to her website. Something like <laughs> these lines. Totally excited to talk about that. Um, and a counselor, which I am also excited to talk about. So, um, and I was looking at your website. I love your puppy dogs. So Thank excited you. to talk about your puppy dogs. Um, I, you know, we were talking before we hit record and I, um, very much a cat person, but I love other people's dogs. So I get really excited about that. Um, but back to the intro, um, wow, lost my train of thought. I am here with Annalise. I'm super excited to get talking um, about just books and life and everything in between. So grab your tea, grab your wine, grab your laundry, Caroline, and we're going to get started. Annalise, how are you today? I am doing fantastic. How about yourself? Awesome. I am doing quite well. Um, I am not entirely sure that my ADHD meds have kicked in properly yet. So we're going to, we're going to hope that today's recording does not constitute me going down the verbal rabbit hole, uh, because I have so much that I want to talk to you about. Um, so let's start with, um, just a, a short little bio just about you, about how you started writing, um, what inspires you and, how you started writing, why, all of those things. Okay, well, let's let's clear one thing up first because I um, I did work for NASA for two years, but I am not an astronaut trainee. Okay, I wish I was. <laughs> that is not in the cards for me. Um, I'm waiting for you know like some sort of uh, mental health counselor position on a moon base. I would totally do that. <laughs> yeah, I'd be right there next to you. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Right. So I um, started writing. I grew up doing, I guess I, I had a lot of friends in different states. I was homeschooled. I did a lot of my schooling online before it was cool. And so I had friends in different states. And my uh, my co-author, Galadriel Coffin, and I met in an online literature class. And we started writing together when I was 15, 16. And we, we would collaborate when we wrote. We would writing stories together in instant messenger. So she would write a paragraph and then I would write a paragraph in response and then she would write a paragraph. And so it became these kind of text-based role-playing games that we came up with for ourselves. And we started doing that 16 years ago and haven't really stopped. So she is my co-author of our first book, Jubilant, which is a nautical fantasy adventure um, it's the first book in a very long series. She has her own series out that's more of a gas lamp fantasy mystery. I will be coming out with my first solo project in a couple of years, which is um, urban fantasy set in my current hometown of Huntsville, Alabama, also known as Rocket City, with a uh, home of Marshall Space Flight Center and the U.S. Space and Rocket Center. Um, but yeah, I, I am inspired by the sea. My first career aspiration was to captain a clipper ship. And I'm still miffed that I was born about 150 to 200 years too late for that to be a possibility. Oh, that's, yeah. That, uh, yeah, I'm mad about that. <laughs> I, yeah, I, there were, there's so many things that I feel like 
I should have been something in a previous life. You know, I, I don't believe in reincarnation. I don't believe in, you know, the same soul living multiple lives. But at the same time, I have so many interests and I have so many things that I wish I had been able to do that I'm like, maybe somehow <laughs> in like some sort of previous life, I was you know, this or, you know, something. And, you know, one of those things is I, I should have been an anthropologist. I am, I'm fairly sure that I was born into the wrong career. Mm-hmm. Um, because I love hearing about various cultures and I love, um, you know, I'm currently working on a, a bucket list item that I want to learn how to say hello, goodbye, and thank you in every single language on earth. That is a fantastic goal. I love that. I am a major language person. I'm currently working on Spanish, French, and Latin on Duolingo. But as a counselor who does some career counseling, I'm going to take issue with your idea that you were born into the wrong career because (laughs) you can have more than one deeply fulfilling career non-linearly in your life if you want to. I I will set you up with an appointment and we'll do some deep work. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, you know, I'm fairly sure that I could go back to school and, you know, study anthropology But at the same time, you know, I can also study anthropology through my current career. You're right about that. Everything counts as writing research. So, well, I am actually not a writer. Well, I'm not an author, I should say. Um, I I do not write books. Um, I I tell my friend Caroline, I'm like, I am never going to write a book. And she goes, Pam, never say never. And I'm like, yeah, I'm on her side. Okay. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, let me rephrase that then. I have no desire to write a book. I have tons of author friends on Twitter. I see every single day just how difficult it is. And so my choice is not to write a book. My choice is to help you guys promote yours. Well, I do appreciate that because promotion sucks. (laughs) No, I never planned on being a writer either. Galadriel always knew she was going to be a novelist. And so I was always her cheerleader. And me having written a full book was just kind of it. Oh, wait, that actually happened. Okay, now what? Yeah, it's, you know, and I, I see all the time that, you know, one of the biggest things that authors struggle with is marketing and promotion because, I would say probably 97% of you guys are introverts and it's super difficult for an introvert to force themselves to be extroverted and extroverted is what helps you make friends, helps you talk to strangers, helps you, you know, join, go to these big, huge crowded events and that's just, it's difficult for introverts to do that. You know, I'm, I'm going to take issue with that too, because I just oh. finished reading a book by uh, um, our business and marketing expert, Matthew Pollard, called The Introvert's Edge to Networking. <gasps> and his previous oh, book that. was The Introvert's Edge to, was it business or marketing? One of those two. But his, his whole point is that just because the most talked about strategies are extrovert oriented doesn't mean that introverts don't have some really crucial qualities that they can bring to the table and they can use these strategies to eclipse their extroverted counterparts just by working differently, which is kind of my whole shtick as a blind person working in the uh, professional world. Yes, the world is geared toward having sight, but that doesn't mean there aren't alternative strategies that I can use to do just as good work, if not better work than my sighted companions, just because the most popular path to somewhere is, is the only one people talk about doesn't mean there aren't other paths to get there. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's, it's probably a really good thing that I don't mind when people disagree with me. (laughs) 
um, because I mean, I we we might have just a a full podcast episode of, um, <laughs> of me saying I'm going to take a sheet the whole time. Um, which no, you're very gracious about fine. it. I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> I I am never, you know, I am never the person that you know somebody disagrees with me, and all of a sudden. I am attacking them personally. I I have never been that type of person. And, um, you know, I I see things on Twitter and, you know, from people where they will post an opinion. And while I don't necessarily agree with that opinion, my comments in return are always respectful whenever, whenever possible, unless you're just being a complete and total douche, in which case I will call you out on being a complete and total douche. But for the most part, I thoroughly and wholeheartedly agree that people are able to have civil conversations and are able to disagree in productive ways. You know, I just learned something amazing that I so putting those books in um, the show notes for everybody, because I do know a ton of introverts. And um, I see all the time where they struggle um, with marketing. And if you know, you can offer them something that is going to help them, then absolutely. So listeners, Those books will be in the show notes for you guys. Um, So if you are an introvert and you find that you struggle with marketing and with all of those promotion type things, check out those books. So they are more aimed at traditional sales kind of business stuff, but with the creative mind that an author has, you can easily extrapolate how they relate to your more unique business model as someone who is trying to sell a book rather than trying to get repeat customers for a particular type of commission or something like that. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of authors out there do have side gigs or primary gigs where they're artists or they're taking commission work. So this can be valuable in multiple, uh, multiple avenues. Well, and it could, I mean, it even sounds like it could be, um, valuable for an ambivert like me, you know, I, I am, I, I tell people when they ask what an ambivert is, I'm like, an ambivert is an extrovert who turns introverted at the drop of a hat. Like I will be out with friends, um, you know, before my, before my husband and I got married, I had a couple of girlfriends that, um, you know, we would go out to the bar and I would go from, I'm having a really great time to, I want to be home in my bed in about 2.5 seconds. Mm -hmm. And I, I would just lose all interest in being out in public. And that is an ambivert. It's you, you love being out with people and you, you find joy in that. But then that turns real quick and you just turn into the biggest homebody and you stay at home for three days um, because that, you know, time that you spent out with people um, exhausted you before you realized it. So it's, you know, um, but yeah, for, you know, for people like me or for true introverts, um, you know, even for extroverts who work with introverts, I think that something like those books um, and learning how the two can work together, I think would be really valuable as well. Absolutely. So what, what is your favorite part about being a counselor? I like the moment when someone realizes that there is something they can do about their pain. That moment of realization where they realize they have even this tiniest modicum of power. And they say, oh, I can I can make this a little bit better. That moment of realization where they can take back just a little bit is so inspiring to me when I see them grasping at a thin thread of potential and turning it into the product of their own imagination is, is really rewarding for me to see. It's, it's a great indicator of, 
honestly the resilience of the human spirit and it keeps me pushing through the moments where I've been working with people who are in darkness that they have struggled with for decades but I know that moment is coming that's yeah I I have to agree with you there that's I um have my associates in psychology and um, I worked in a uh, community mental health center for, for eight years in their medication department. And for, for me, it was, um, you know, because I was not a counselor, because I was not a therapist, you know, I, I would tell the clients, you know, I, I cannot advise you. I cannot, you know, give you advice. I can listen. If you're having a bad day, I, I am more than willing to listen. Um, as long as you understand, I am not your therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, so I would have people come in and, you know, just be, really be struggling and just need a listening ear. And, you know, I would also have people come in because um, my, my particular job was working with the patients and clients um, kind of as a liaison between them and the pharmaceutical companies to help them get their medications. Mm -hmm. And so I had to ask a lot of the time, I had to ask for really personal information. Mm -hmm. You know, I had access to their medical records. I had um, I had to ask for income information. I had to have like their social and their birthday and, you know, mm-hmm. all of this information. And so in order to get that from them, I had to build a rapport really quick, mm-hmm. um, you know, because especially if, you know, I had somebody in my office that they were, they had, um, recently diagnosed but untreated paranoid schizophrenia mm-hmm. um you know that paranoia takes over your smiling so yeah you get it um <laughs> you know that paranoia just takes over and they um you know and then of course the schizophrenia those voices are telling them you know she's going to use your information and she's going to sell it to the government and they're going to like activate that chip in your head and you know all of these things And so for me, it was watching that person, you know, in my office struggling with their mental illness and then coming back two weeks or a month later after having been on their medication and being, you know, going through treatment, coming back a month later and I could see the difference. Mm -hmm. And it was just, you know, it, it made my job feel valuable. You know, I, I did a lot of paperwork. I did, you know, a lot of phone calls. Um, you know, I did a lot of the, the busy work type thing, quote unquote. And, you know, but to see what I did make a difference was, really inspiring for me as well Mm. so yeah I was never a counselor so I didn't really have a chance to to see the um the chance of them like taking their power um I think as you I think you phrased it that way Mm -hmm. um and just realizing that they but you got to see some of the results of after that moment of, of how that moment changed their, their perspective, their confidence, their demeanor. So you got to see the result of that, even if you didn't see the moment. Yeah. And, you know, it was, you know, and I got to, you know, I had a lot of clients who were regulars, um, you know, for almost the whole time that I was there. And, you know, I just, I got to see their, their growth and their evolution over time. Mm-hmm. Um, into, you know, from someone who struggled to even work 20 hours a week to somebody who either owned their own business or was able to work a full-time job, was able to, you know, rent their own apartment, live on their mm-hmm. own instead of with a caregiver, you know, and just be able to watch, you know, the the various changes that mm-hmm. would take place in their life just from 
that one change of finding treatment, finding successful treatment mm. um, for, you know, whatever mental disorder or illness that they were dealing with. So it's, you know, it, it was really inspiring for me. I struggled a lot with burnout. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, but at the same time, it was it was really rewarding. And, you know, I still talk about that job <laughs> a lot. Um, I haven't worked there in eight years. Um, and I still mention um, stories and I still think about old clients that I had um, from from that period of time in my life. Um, okay, so we've about 30 minutes in. Um, tell us, I want to hear about your puppy dog. Can you tell us a little bit about your puppy dog? I turn into such a kid when I talk about dogs. I'm like, sound like a baby or something. I don't know anyone who doesn't do that. <laughs> That's good. Cause. I really don't. Um, so I have a German shepherd. Her name is Greta. She's almost nine years old. She is, um, she's my second seeing eye dog. She's been um, kind of on mental health hiatus herself, which you can read more about on my blog, lookonthedarkside.com, uh, where I, I talk about our journey together, sure. um, just ex- experiencing some of the challenges, the impact that a workplace can have on a service dog, and how the mental health of the service dog and the mental health of the handler are deeply integrated. Um, so we've been dealing with um, uh, pu- puppy dog my mental health, really. Um, I've learned a lot about canine psychology and I'm much more of a people psychology person, but I've learned a lot. Uh, But I recently found out that uh, Greta has cataracts that are impacting her vision. So it's looking like she won't ever return to full-time work because a blind seeing eye dog is kind of a contradiction in terms and at her age, the surgery to repair it would be too risky. So um, she's she's on her way to retirement. We're talking about a retirement party at a local dog park. Just get Aww. some puppy friends to play with. Um, she's definitely earned it. She has worked so hard to try and get back in harness. And I know she's going to miss it. Um, and it's, it's going to be a very hard decision. I haven't officially stated it. This is like the first time I've said it to someone outside of my family and my therapist. So... Yay, here's a public announcement. My dog's going to retire <laughs> at some point. <laughs> um, but um, that's, that's anyway, that's, that's where that is right now. Um, and I will uh, for sure link to your website um, in the show notes. Um, there's the picture with you and uh, Greta and you and um, your other seeing eye dog, um, are up there so um everybody can see her she's so pretty she's absolutely gorgeous um so when she retires she's um basically going to graduate to pet or is are you going to have to rehome her i hope you don't have to rehome her so that really um that's a complicated question for most guide dog users because it depends on the school that you go to to get your dogs from. Some schools actually retain ownership of the dog. So there's it's like they're leasing you a dog like a company leases you a car. And so then the school then gets to make the decision about what happens to the dog when it's ready to tire, retire. Frequently, they'll even make the decision about when the dog is ready to retire. They will retain control over what kind of vet you can go to, what kind of dog food you can use. And then there are schools like the one that I go to, which is the Seeing Eye. So Seeing Eye Dog is actually a registered trademark for dogs that graduate from the Seeing Eye. They have been around for more than 90 years. They're very proud of their legacy, overly proud of their legacy in my opinion. But at any rate, um, they believe that the dignity and independence of the handler is more important than their control over the dog. And so Greta, I own her outright. So I get to make the decision that is best for Greta based on my interpretation of the situation, my resources, and my abilities. And I have decided that Greta is going to basically become a glorified lap dog. She's too small. So for she's going to graduate. This. <laughs> yeah, she gets to be a pet. She will. Um, I will still do a lot of kind of uh, mental stimulation work with her, some physical therapy stretches, just to keep her limber. Um, and we'll, we'll still, pl- still do plenty of games and dog park trips and stuff like that, but she will no longer be guiding because it wouldn't be safe 
or healthy for either of us to do that. So she will have a very healthy, comfortable retirement with me. Oh, that's, that's great. I am so glad that she gets to stay with you. Um, that, um, I honestly, that's, you know, I've seen people with seeing eye dogs and I've seen people with, um, you know, the service dogs and the, the emotional support dogs and, you know, all of that. And, um, you know, I understand that, you know, some people, they don't mind if you pet their dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, some people absolutely do not want you touching their dogs. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so I, I am the weirdo that I have no problem asking someone, can I pet mm-hmm. your dog? Because I know some people don't mind. Um, but if they say no, then I'm like, okay, have a great day. <laughs> um, and see, I wish more people would petting. ask. There are people that just walk up and start petting a dog. And I'm like, okay, you yeah. do realize you just walked up and started petting a German Shepherd, right? Did you not think about that? What example are you setting for all the children around here? Um, well, and, I mean, it's a... Just, <laughs> it's it's dangerous, you know? It's I, dangerous for both the person, the dog, and the um, handler, actually. Yeah. Um, you know, because I... Um, I will give a, a good example of um, how dangerous something like that could be. Um, uh, my job that I was telling you about earlier, um, I had a client that she had a, um, he was a therapy dog. I don't know if he was a full-blown service dog, but he was for sure a therapy dog. And she had a um, a physical um, I don't know if she ever told me uh, what it was, but it was a, um, a vertigo type um, mm-hmm. ailment where mm-hmm. she would just randomly fall mm-hmm. and, you know, she would lose her balance or she would get dizzy and mm-hmm. pass out, you know, or something like that. And she was not a small girl. Um, she was not like huge, but she was not a small girl. And so she had a big dog. He was huge. One of the biggest dogs I've ever seen in my life. And um, one of the sweetest dogs ever. But he, um, you know, was her support in helping her get back to her feet whenever she would fall. And Yeah, that's a full-on service dog. The definition of a service dog is a dog that performs a medically necessary task for independent living and or safety for the handler. So, yes, he's performing physical work for her. Okay. Um, Thank you for that. Um, I wasn't sure because he never wore a harness, so I wasn't sure exactly how that worked for her. We'll talk about that in a second, but you can finish your story, and then you can hear my rant Um, about identifying. And so I... um, you know, she, because he was so friendly and because he loved everybody, um, you know, she had a rule that when she came in, we were not allowed to pen him, that he, he had to be on the job, um, for Mm -hmm. her just, you know, just in case Mm -hmm. it happened, he, he was on the job, but whenever she was done and whenever she was getting ready to leave, she would take him around to all of the people that she had seen that day. And she would let us pet him and play with him, but right before she left. Mm -hmm. And so we got to, you know, he got to get all of this attention from people that he just Mm -hmm. loved. And, you know, we all got to pet him and, you know, tell him what a good boy he was. And, you know, so it's, you know, just working in, in that particular agency, I learned a lot about, you know, people's rules regarding their dogs. And, you know, I had, you know, always known before that, always ask somebody mm-hmm. if you can pet their dog, even well, if you know it's just a general. pet. It's, yeah, I mean, that's just good for dogs in general. You always ask. Um <clears throat> And just in case kids are listening, you do not walk up to strange animals and just pet them. <clears throat> you just don't do that. Um, and so this, you know, this particular dog, he was just the, he was the greatest dog. He was just so sweet and he just loved everybody. Um, but, you know, it was through her that I learned a lot of those particular rules about, you know, when a dog is on the job and when a dog is not on the job. Um, and how the owner is responsible for determining 
what those rules are. It is not strangers. It is not, you know, the husband. It is not the wife. It is not the spouse or partner. It is the person who needs the medically required um, thing um, for whatever it is. That is the person who determines what those rules are and who can break them, who cannot, you know, and all of that sort of stuff. Um, so you are going to. Right. Let's hey, talk about I'll, identifying service, yes. dog, and service dog etiquette. <laughs> Just a little bit. I do. I do want to get back to um, books for sure. Cause I want, I do want to hear about Jubilant. Well, this is going to include a book actually. Awesome. Okay. Um, so book recommendations. Let's go. Well, let's go with it. So I just read The Spare Man by Mary Robinette Cole, and she uh, read, wrote the first book that I've ever encountered with a main character who has a service dog. Oh, that's so much fun. Okay. So and I would I would give this book probably a 4.9 out of 5 stars. And I'm really picky when it comes to books. The only reason it's a 4.9 is because there is mild consensual sexual contact contact between a, a pair of newlyweds. I'm asexual. I find that that kind of thing breaks immersion for me. So it like pulled me out of it, but she actually managed to make it almost plot relevant because it was how they communicated when other people were watching them, when they had to pass secret messages because it's a locked room murder mystery in space. So it was less irritating to me, less, um, it, it broke immersion less frequently for me than normal. But no, it was amazing to read this book where the main character has a service dog. She has invisible disabilities and she has to interface with the public on a level of someone who needs assistance, who's need, who needs people to recognize her needs, but at the same time feels very vulnerable when she's like, in order to get the help I need, I have to tell you my medical and psychological history. And that makes me feel really exposed and I don't want to do this. And so yeah, I'm I, actually in the midst of reviewing that book on my blog. I just reviewed the service dog performance this last week and this upcoming week, I will be doing a blog post about the character herself and her experience as a character with um, invisible disabilities. But that was a fantastic read. I, yeah, I, well, and books with dogs, period. Um, mm. I, books, books with pets, period, I should say, because I love books with cats, too. Um, I recently um, read a book, speaking of cats, where the main character is, she volunteers with a um, shelter, with a cat shelter, and she fosters kittens. And so through the through the whole book, she has uh, five kittens that she's fostering um, until they're old enough to adopt out. And she named them one through five in Greek or no, 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 not in Greek, in Latin. I love um, it. And so she, you know, throughout the story and it's such a fun story. Um, it's called You Should Smile More. And um, I, I think it's kind of a, um, an homage to the, um, the thing that women hate when men go, but you're so pretty when you smile. You should smile more. I don't want to smile right now. But thanks. Um, I am not a decoration. I, exactly. So, um, but the... She works at a telemarketing company, um, and right at the beginning of the book, the owner and her manager call her into a meeting and fire her because of her face. She um, apparently... You know, that actually happened to a friend of mine. That is crazy. I can't believe that actually happens. Mm -hmm. um, but she, you know, they basically tell her that her facial expressions indicate that she has a dark soul and she that would be a problem for there. me because I didn't learn facial expressions the way that most people do. I'm actually putting effort into having facial expressions right now, but if I were perfectly relaxed, I, you would not know what I was feeling because I just don't, I don't express naturally that way. Well, and you know, my, um, my husband, I mentioned this a lot in my blog on Twitter. Um, and on this podcast, I've mentioned it several times, but my husband is um, a clinically diagnosed psychopath mm -hmm. and he's the same way because he 
doesn't process Mm -hmm. emotions the same way that a normal person would. Mm -hmm. So the, the expression on his face very rarely will indicate the actual thought process that he is going Mm -hmm. through in that particular moment. And so it's, it's really interesting, um, just kind of watching him. Um, I, I told a friend of mine once that uh, we're both really big fans of the TV show Alias. And the main character, Sydney Bristow, um, a couple of times throughout the show, plays poker uh, with her friends. And I told my friend, I was like, there are two people in the world that I would not ever play poker with. One is my husband and one is Sydney Bristow. <laughs> <laughs> because my my husband, he can literally turn off all of his emotions. And you can't you I mean you can't tell what he's thinking when when he is just sitting there concentrating on something. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's you know your your reason for for not showing facial expressions is probably different from his, but mm-hmm. it's but it results in the same difficulty. It, I mean, it my results... husband asks me all the time, "Did you forget to use your face just then?" <laughs> like, I can't I, tell what you're thinking. Did you forget to use your face, or are you actually upset? <laughs> I get asked every once in a while um, at my day job. I get asked. I'll have somebody come up to me and then be like, "Are you okay?" And I'm like. Yeah. And they'd be like, well, you're, you're scowling. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm, I'm just focusing. And, you know, they'd be like, okay, well, are you sure you're okay? I'm like, yes. And I'll give them a nice big smile and be like, I'm fine. I promise. I mean, on the one hand, it's nice that you have people that notice and check in, but on the other hand, this predisposition to interpreting any expression on a woman's face other than a smile as a problem well it's a problem it's and it and it can be and what's really funny is it's usually women that that comment um but luckily they don't go you should smile more you're so pretty when you smile (laughs) that is that is probably my least favorite thing in the one of my least favorite things in the entire world um is for Mm. people to just randomly tell you that you should smile more um i i don't feel like it having a bad day totally it's Mm -hmm. it's perfectly okay for women to have a bad day Mm -hmm. um and it's perfectly okay for it to show up on our faces when we're having a bad Mm -hmm. day um so yeah just small lessons um people when you're listening Mm -hmm. um so do you have any other than the book that um, that you just mentioned with the, the adorable puppy dog that I mm-hmm. I have to go read? Um, you really do. It's a great book. <laughs> I I think I should. If you um, so, I will actually offer um, one of my own before um, I get to yours. To well, you were just talking about the you should smile more book. We we. <laughs> Two more books. Well, a, a series of books, actually. It's um, the Soul Mutts series. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's each character, each book is a, a main character and a main dog character. And part of the book is actually told through the dog's point of view, which is really fun. Um but I don't remember who the author is. I will have to put it in the show notes and I will be sure to send it to you um, in um, Twitter messaging or text, uh, whichever way is easier for you. Um, Other way is fine. Um, Twitter is fine? Yep. Okay. Um, that'll probably be easier for me because I can get to that on my computer. Um, but they're they're super fun and they're very light reads. Um, I call them a palate cleanser mm-hmm. um, because I tend to read the big chunky books mm-hmm. and being able to read something like that and just you know in a couple hours fly through this book. Um, and I would call that of, brain candy. It's it it really is. Mm-hmm. They're brain candy. A little treat. That's, yes, that is absolutely perfect, uh, perfectly described um, because they're super sweet stories. And, you know, so the first one is um, called Baker's Dozen, and it's about a, um, a baker, but she, um, 
decides, fosters this dog against her um, instincts. She um, gives in to a friend of hers and is like, okay, fine, I will take this dog for the weekend. And then, of course, gets attached to the dog. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's super cute story. Um, okay, so we've got about 20 minutes left or so. I was looking at the wrong timer when I said 30 minutes earlier. Well, that was about 10 minutes ago, so. Um, so we've got, yeah, so we've got about 20 minutes left. Um, what are some book recommendations other than the ones that you have offered that you have? Well, I mean, I recommend people read my book. Well, yeah, <laughs> let's talk about your book. What is it about? So it is, uh, it's a nautical adventure, fantasy adventure series. The two main characters are sailors from different countries on different ships. Um, one of them is struggling under a despotic captain trying to make his career, even though he's of common birth and most officers in his Navy are all nobility. The other is a young woman who went to sea to escape a tragic past and has joined this warrior crew. And they have uh, misplaced an ambassador. And there's a mystery about where a bunch of different ships are disappearing to and why why no one can figure out like the, sh- the ships themselves are disappearing, not just the crews and the passengers aboard. And so the two ships uh, with the two main characters end up having to team up and keep their countries from going to war while trying to solve the mystery. There's magic and dragons and wizards and oh. martial arts and a slow burn romance. And oh. it is the first of a very, very long series. How, how long are we talking? 11 to 12 main novels, a couple of graphic novels and anthologies of short stories and a cookbook. <sighs> and a spinoff series about main characters. Tips. <sighs> okay. Um, If you want uh, recipes from the made-up countries, some of them have already been posted on Galadriel's blog, which is galadrielcoffeen.com. That's coffee with an N, and Galadriel, like Lord of the Rings, yes, it's her real name. (laughs) That's so fun. Um, Okay, so I will link to um, Galadriel's website um, as well in the show notes for everybody so they can go check out those recipes. Um, My husband and I both love to cook, so I will be checking out those. Please tell us if you actually try those out because we haven't had anyone else give us feedback on them, but we actually, (laughs) we made them for our friends and sent them like, if you want to cosplay from this country, here's how you would dress. And we made YouTube playlists and we rearranged the dining room to reflect the different cultures and did whole meals. And it was just this really fun process. And then we turned them into blog posts and we want other people to give it a try and let us know how it goes. So please, if you give, if you try any of the recipes, let us know. I have, for sure. I will. Um, yeah, my, my husband and I both love to cook. Um, and we, we love trying new recipes. Um, we, the first, for me, the first time I try a recipe, I always do it exactly mm-hmm. like the recipe calls for mm-hmm. And, you know, then after that, Mm -hmm. I'm like, there was uh, one recipe that I tried. Um, First time I made it, uh, it called for chicken. I did not Mm -hmm. like how the chicken turned out. It was too Mm -hmm. salty. Mm -hmm. And so the next time I made it, I swapped the chicken for shrimp. Um, And it was a, it's a Cajun Alfredo recipe. Mm -hmm. So good. Yeah, Um, that would work really well. And so it's um, andouille sausage and shrimp instead of mm-hmm. andouille sausage and chicken because the chicken was just it was just icky. Um, mm-hmm. I I don't know what I did to ruin the chicken, but it was just it might not, not have been you. It might not have just not ma- matched your palate. Yeah, I I don't know. It was just icky. So, um, but the shrimp and the andouille sausage were were perfect. So. Um, but yeah, it's those kinds of things that I tend to do. Um, you know, but the first time I'm like, I will make it exactly like the recipe calls for. Mm -hmm. And then if there's something that I want to swap out, then, you know, I can do that after that. Um, Mm -hmm. so if I make it twice and I swap anything out, I will be sure to tell you that as well. Absolutely. I'd love to hear about that. Um, because that's just, it's how I am as a cook. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, and my husband is, he was a chef for 15 years. Mm-hmm. So he, um, is used to like creating new recipes and, you know, things like that. So, um, between the two of us, I'm sure we can figure something out and, um, make your recipe for you. So, and definitely give you feedback. 
Um, so 12 books. Wow. Um, I love long series. I, I, long series have my heart. Um, I have several in my Kindle that are like between 10. I think the most I have is like 15. So, um, long series are just, they're so much fun. So I, I can't wait for, for more books <laughs> to come out. But, um, well, in theory, book two will be coming out August, 2024. Awesome. Okay. So book one is currently out. Yes. Yes. Okay. So I will link to that in the show notes as well. Um, and you said you have a, a solo project coming out um, in a couple of years. Yes. Yes. And that okay. will be an urban fantasy, um, urban fantasy novel set in my, my current hometown. Oh, so much fun. I have you heard of um, the house of night series? I actually think I heard about you talking about that on another uh, episode of this podcast because I kind of binge your podcast to research for this. <laughs> <laughs> Prob- um, probably, um, but yeah, they're they're urban fantasy books set in my hometown. So um, that's oh, that's, an- fun. that's another um, another thing that has my has my heart is urban fantasy um, set in places that are familiar. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never been to Huntsville. Um, but come down and visit. It's a great place. I was going to say, I have a feeling your book is probably going to make me want to visit. Um, (laughs) I I honestly haven't been, um, to the true South Mm -hmm. very often. Um, I think the South, the furthest South that I have been in my adult life, um, was Dallas a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, so, um, I, and I live in Oklahoma, so mm-hmm. I were like kind of mid South. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not even sure we count as Midwest. Um, but it's just um, middle. <laughs> we're, just, we're like, yeah, I, I've had people ask, um, you know, where Oklahoma is. And I'm like, we're smack in the middle of the mm-hmm. United States. Like that's, that's us. Well, just to convince you to visit Huntsville after this, I'm going to go meet with my co-author at a place called the Dragon's Forge Cafe. <gasps> oh, okay. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I have a candle, um, that you might like, um, call it's the scent is called Dragon's Blood. Um, and it's, um, all of my candles are book inspired, uh, but this one is inspired by uh, the Forever King by Ben Galley, mm-hmm. um, and it's fantasy with dragons everywhere. Um, I'm I'm getting citrus vibes. Does the candle have citrus in it? It does not. It's yeah, like very. It's very spicy. It's got mm. um, a lot of cinnamon in it. Okay, I love cinnamon in candles. It's yeah. It smells really really good. Um, I, I might have to send you one. Um, I I will not say no to this. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not even sure if I have any made currently. I will have to check because I um I have all of my um, I'm rebranding into black tins. So all of my silver tins and my jars I have on sale right now. But I'm not sure if I have any of the dragon's blood ones made. I will have to check. Um. That'll be that'll be fun. I need to sort my candles anyway. I've got, I've got well, that sounds like a great way to spend an afternoon just sitting there going, oh, this one's great. It goes in that pile. That one's great. It goes in this other pile. That sounds like the best way to spend an afternoon. <laughs> well, and the 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 issue is, I love them all because <laughs> um, you know I I have had people. I will only make candles. Um, you know, like I said earlier, I they're book inspired. Um, but I will only assign a scent to a book if I really like it. Okay. Well, now I need you to read our book, Jubilant, and then tell me whether or not it (laughs) deserves a candle. So I, well, and I have a bunch of scents that I love that I have not assigned to anything yet. So, um, I've actually been looking for a, um, for a book for my bamboo and coconut candle scent. I know it smells so good. I, I hate coconut, like, to eat, mm-hmm. um, but I love the scent of it. 
So it's, I'm. I like it if it's mild. If it's like just coconut, that's too much for me. But mixed with something softer like bamboo, I feel like would be really nice. It's, it is really nice. And I, I've been on, I've had this scent for a while now. And I've been on the hunt for like the perfect book. Um, Cause it has to be the, you know, that, mm-hmm. yes, that's, that's it. You know, and it has it to fit the vibe of the book. Exactly. And it doesn't even have to be. Um, like a book that I've read <laughs> necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my friend Kira, um, has a, a short story collection that, you know, I was looking for, um, a scent or for a book for a particular scent. And she was like, well, mine's kind of dark. And I go and I read the synopsis, the, the blurb on Amazon. And I'm like, Yes. So it, it has to have that that yes to it. So if mm-hmm. it's not an absolute yes, it's no. Mm-hmm. So it, you know, but it's not a not a perfect science, but I, you know, I, I love doing it and I love um, telling authors, I found a candle for your book. So excited. Um, okay, now I really want there to be a candle for Jubilant. <laughs> like, I'm going to beg you about this now. I'm going to do... message you like once a month. I'm like, did you find a candle yet? Did you find a candle yet? <laughs> I will do my best. Um, I will. Um, I will try to hunt down a, a copy of um, Jubilant and see if That's I'll go it. read the. I'll go read the blurb first. Um, if you send me one, it, it has to be signed. Yep. I, I don't accept um, free copies unless they're signed hard copies, physical okay. copies. Okay. Um, okay. And and I still go buy the Kindle copy, so I keep my signed copies pretty. Okay. Okay. <laughs> So yes, I, I will make sure to get you my um, my address. Um, so I I warned everybody at the beginning of this episode that I was probably going to have tangents. <laughs> I'm so sorry that I was right. Um, so any other book recommendations? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to make a plug for my co-author's book here because I read every draft of it since she rough drafted it when she was like 15, 16 until it came out like two or three years ago. Fun. It's called The Case of the Dragonbone Engine. <gasps> it is a, it is a uh, young adult gas lamp fantasy mystery with some uh, social justice elements underneath and a nice slow burn romance worked in there are mysterious explosions happening on the fancy new dragon bone run trains and royal investigator becca uh becca finley and her partner donovan have to figure out who is blowing up the trains and why fun okay so what is a gas lamp fantasy? I've never heard that subgenre. So that's before. kind of an offshoot of steampunk in that it hits that late 19th, early 20th century technological level, but it's less about the steampunk clockwork mechanics and more about the um, softer cultural aspects. So this okay. one has kind of a... Um, early 1910s 1920s robber baron um company owners versus the the poor overworked underpaid employees and the social unrest and how the you know law enforcement is trying to balance between different kinds of injustice and what do we pursue more what's more important to you know we can't have trains blowing up, but what's happening to these workers is terrible. So what do we focus on? So it has more of this, um, more, more of a character driven aspect to it. Ah, fun. I, I have come to terms recently with the fact that I, I tend to gravitate more toward the, um, the character driven books. Mm -hmm. I, I never used to, but now if a book doesn't have really great character development, I get bored really quickly. Yeah. And so as a writer, I always have a character idea first. The whole book forms itself around the character and the relationships with other characters that that main character has. So it's all about how people's stories impact each other and how they grow and how they wrestle with the fantastic elements of 
mundane life as well as magic and dragons. Because if you could have magic and dragons, why wouldn't you have magic and dragons? Of course. Um, you should always have magic and dragons. Um, Agreed. Well, you should always have magic and or dragons. Because mm-hmm. you can do the magic. And I have seen fantasy mm-hmm. books that do that. And then you can have the dragons. And then mm-hmm. you can have both. So mm-hmm. all all three types of fantasy books like that are just, I love them so There's much. There's room for chocolate and vanilla and a chocolate vanilla swirl. Absolutely. And all three of those are awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So we've got about five minutes left or so. Um, where can people find you and come hang out? <laughs> so I am most active on Twitter and um, my my handle is a little bit, uh, hard to remember. So if you just put a link to it, people can click on it and find me there. But I, I do I a daily that. gratitude tweet every morning or most morning. And I love it when people share me with, share with me what they're thankful for. Or even if they can't find something to be thankful for, just say that you're struggling. But yeah, so I do a daily gratitude tweet on Twitter. And then I um, I like interacting with people there. Um, of course, there's my blog, lookonthedarkside.com. And I do have a Facebook author page. I remember it exists every once in a while. But those are the best places to get in touch with me. Okay, awesome. I will um, I will link to those. Um, if you can send me a link to um, your Facebook page, um, I will link to that as well. Um, sure thing. Um, but I will uh, for sure link to your Twitter and um, your website as well as Galadriel's website. Um, and then link to your books. Um, I will find um, in I'm the... I'm just going to send you a link tree and you can put that up because it's got uh, everything. That works. <laughs> that works. Um, and, um, I also want to make sure to link to your books, um, any books that we have discussed, um, here on the episode as well. Um, and I hope people come and visit your website. Um, and I will for sure be, uh, checking out your blog. I was looking at it earlier and, um, I did not find a subscription spot do you can you tell me where I've that heard is that actually so i think it i think it broke because i had it for a while and then people stopped being able to find it so i need to look into that okay um it's, yeah, it's a little the, bit frustrating the, well the follow button the wordpress follow button is there um but the the place to um to actually subscribe is right, i couldn't right. find it so yeah and that's what i've been hearing so that's a yeah. that's a work in progress it will be fixed it just is not fixed <laughs> okay um once it is uh please let me know um because i definitely want to subscribe um i will you dog stay for the be, mental health tips <laughs> right and the book reviews don't forget the book reviews um i i love reading um I love reading book reviews, um, but I always tend to avoid reading the book until I've forgotten what was involved in the book <laughs> review <laughs> because I like going into books like super blind. Like mm-hmm. I, um, I love n- knowing very little about the story um, mm-hmm. when I, when I get started reading it. Um, so I tend to try to avoid blurbs. I tend to try to avoid reviews mm-hmm. um, for books that I am currently reading, especially um, because because you don't want spoilers. I, I don't want spoilers. I and you would be surprised for my brain of what counts as a spoiler. Mm-hmm. So I just have to be like super careful in those. Not all spoilers parts. are plot twists. So sometimes it's about character elements. Sometimes it's about world elements. Exactly. I don't want to get so focused on the plot element, but there's so much more to a book. There's really three major aspects. There's character, world, and plot. And any one of those can be spoiled. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, not a lot of people get it. So I, I am thankful that you do. Um Okay, well, we are almost out of time. Do you have any quick last thoughts before we stop recording? Um, don't pet a dog you don't know. Always ask. And just because it doesn't have a vest doesn't mean it's not a service dog because there is no universal requirement for identifying your service dog. <laughs> Perfect. Um I today was so much fun. Thank you for coming and chatting with me. And um, thank you for um, 
allowing the 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 sighted person to um, to see your face. It it really does make it a lot more comfortable for me, um, and um, I I think that you know my when I'm comfortable talking to somebody, I I like mm-hmm. to think that that kind of translates to the screen as well, um, and and helps helps my um, my guest feel a little bit more comfortable as well. So um, I hope you had a good time today. I had an it was fantastic. Thank you for having me on so much. I appreciate it. That was great. Absolutely, and I love the rabbit trails. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you, because they happen a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, well, thank you again, um, and have a great rest of your weekend. You too. Bye.